I started a series uh, last week, probably small, maybe the last time I speak on this, and then we'll go a different direction next week, but uh, advice for living in a crazy time. Would you call this a crazy time? I did want to, this is staring at me, so if I forget to mention it, I did uh, mention uh, uh, my first book came out last week, so it's at the table. That's good. Thank you. Um, it's just been something that's been on my heart for a long time. So first of many, I've got another one in the queue. I'm finishing up the last chapter now. Got two more after that, and then I got several more. So anyway, this is on the back table as you uh, exit, and I'll be in the foyer if you'd like for me to sign it. And, and I may mention it er, uh, later, but um, advice for living in a crazy time. We're going to look at three words in a minute from 2 Timothy 3. And, uh, but let me recap last week if you weren't here. Uh, everything's on the website, the notes, and uh, the ministry, both audio and uh, video were there. We have it on a podcast. You can listen to it in your car, so I encourage that. How many know we're living some rapidly changing days? And I mentioned a concept that I really, really want you to think about and encourage you to uh, uh, really to make personal, um, challenge your personal normalcy bias. I think we're going into a period of time that is, uh, that is going to be changing rapidly. And uh, uh, if you think this last year and a half, 18 months was challenging, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, concepts are going to be challenged and we're going to be challenged to the hill. That's the reason that I'm so glad that I know Jesus and my life is grounded in the word of God. If you know Jesus, your life is grounded in him and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you don't have anything to worry about. He's going to take care of you. Yes or no? See, that's what you got to know. But normalcy bias is the idea, idea that, that, well, everything's been going this way and it'll never change. You know, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. And it's, you know, whatever happened in the past, just keep going that way. It's not that way now. So I talked about that last week in fair detail. God gave me a word. I'm talking fast. Can you listen fast? I always have a lot to say. Epoch, uh, epoch, E-P-O-C-H. It's a time... It's a defining time in history, and I believe we're living in it right now. In fact, I believe we're living in the days just prior to the second coming of Christ. There are many scriptures that reveal the fact, in fact, a third of the Bible is prophetic in that a third of the Bible talks about talks about the second coming of the Messiah, both Old and New Testament. So it's really interesting that we seem to be living in a day and an age where that seems to be coming to pass. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but a couple of them are. Israel became a nation in 1948 after, after almost 2,000 years of being dispersed. That's never happened with any nation on earth. It's a sovereign sign from God that his son is about to return because he promised they were coming back into their land. 1967. Israel regained uh, uh, control of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Jesus is going to live there one day, and so will you. It's going to be a huge city. Oh, wait, wait, what, what an amazing time. So um, that, that's pretty amazing. And then uh, anyway, there's so many uh, things that I could say about that that tell us that the signs of the time are that Jesus could be coming back sooner than we realize. Now, I didn't mention this. It was in my notes last week, and I mentioned this during our interim time. But uh, Jesus talked about people ask him what it would be like when he came back. Luke 17 is not frequently mentioned, but Jesus said two things about the kingdom of God and his return. In Luke chapter 17, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in, when the, in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they're married. Wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then, and then he also mentioned the days of Lot, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. 
But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Two things, the, well, one thing major to note about these two events, both in Noah's day with the flood and in Lot's day with evidently some kind of a, a meteorite or whatever uh, uh, pummeling the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and destroying them. Uh, those were judgment times. And so Jesus referred to his second coming in the time just prior to that. And, uh, and, and he used Noah's day. He used Lot's day. Think about it. Noah's day was a time of judgment. People, and he gave time, people time to rep- prepare, but they didn't prepare. You get it? Except for Noah, then Lot. Uh, in Lot's day, things became so, so terrible that an angel had to go to Lot and say, uh, this city's going to go down. You need to leave. You and your family, and, and don't wait, and, 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 and don't even look back. And, and his wife did, and uh, her life was uh, taken from her. So it's an interesting time. I'm just saying that Jesus referred to the time just prior to his return to a time of judgment. Did you get that? Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, if you could read the first couple of verses, it talks about the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ, and one of them are eternal judgments. We live in an age, particularly in America, that you want everything to be wonderful, positive, hip, hip, hooray, but the truth is there are judgments that are coming. Don't forget that our God in our modern culture has forgotten that God is, God is holy. Everybody say holy. In fact, the angels around the throne say, holy, holy, holy. And in the Greek language, it says, holy, 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 holy. It's a huge emphasis. So we always talk about God being love, but you've got to also know that he's holy, and being holy is also just. And that's the reason that we as believers, we love Jesus, because we understand that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We understand that we're reprobate, that the heart is wicked above all things, and desperately, uh, desperately wicked. And, uh, we all, and we all know that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We also know that, that we're not fit for a holy place called heaven where God dwells without the blood of Jesus cleansing our sin. Yes or no? And so knowing those kinds of things and knowing that Jesus is coming back, the greater the presence of God rises in the earth, the greater the judgments will ensue. Did you hear what I just said? You think about Ananias, and that's a different message for a different day. You think about Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts chapter 5, that was right after the day of Pentecost. The power of God was in the church. The, the guy at the gate, beautiful, was healed after being a cripple for most all of his life, and he was almost 40 years old. The power of God was demonstrated. P- Peter's shadow healed people, but at the same time, those that chose to disobey God and lie and covered up died. Judgment came. You hear me? So, so, see, there's a different side to God than people realize, and we, we tend to be quite chummy with our Creator today. A lot of people see Him as the Santa Claus in the sky. Well, He just bless you even though you, He just kind of winks when you do something wrong, you know. Well, no, He loves you. He loves you deeply. But see, His holiness, His holiness is the reason that Jesus came, right? And so, all of the things that you feel are wrong and are not fair, they're unjust. When Jesus comes back, all wrongs will be made right. Is that good news? Having said that, it seems as though we're in a time of judgment even in America because to whom much is given, much is required. We've been given, 
We've been given a lot in America. In fact, as I've traveled, I think I've been to 17 or 18 nations. And when you look at how other people in the rest of the world live, there's such a, there's such a huge gap between how we live and what our income is versus how others live. The poorest person in America is rich according to many nation, nations' standards. Uh, when we go to, to Ethiopia, boy, it was so blaringly evident to me that I was so blessed. How could I refuse to help these people? Did you hear me? And so we have a lot that's been given to us and a lot is required of us. And it seems as though the days now are coming that God is requiring that the United States of America and its populace be real with themselves and understand that they've left him, his laws, his morality, they have left it aside. And friends, when you turn from the light, darkness comes. How many hear me? And so, first of all, the natural disasters that I believe that we see are not God doing that. No, God's just had to withdraw from people who are not holy anymore. Did you hear me? Who don't believe his word anymore. His word's been taken out of the civic conversations. And God said, well, if you do that, I'll let you, let, let you have your own way. And that's, uh, and that's a sad thing. And that's what we see happening perhaps in America today. Others differ from that. If you do, I'm good with that. It just seems that way. But nonetheless, Jesus' return is a time of judgment. Um, uh, Matthew, uh, well, let's see, Matthew 24, Mark, uh, Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, uh, and then uh, I mentioned Luke 17. Those passages in the New Testament along with Revelation chapter 6, which is a parallel sister chapter to um, Matthew 24 revealed to us what the world will be like prior to Jesus' return. And where I've talked about a lot of that last week in a very practical way. I talked about the deceptions that are coming. There's huge deception right now. If you believe the media, you're, you're, you're a deceived person. No kidding. I mean, used to be you could believe the news media and believe this and that. And now, uh, now really, uh, uh, um, you know, online apparatus... Facebook, Twitter, etc. You know, the 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 you know there there there's a there's a, a general theme ideology there, but they're leaving a lot out, and it's what's left out that is the problem. And so they're creating their own reality, and that's the reason Jesus said, uh, "Take heed that no man deceive you." In Matthew twenty four, and then Matthew twenty four and Revelation six. Revelation six. Everybody okay? I just want to talk about this. I got a whole series on Revelation, 38 lessons. We went through all 22 chapters of Revelation and went in detail verse by verse. But one of the things you find out in Revelation 6, here's God seated on the great big throne in heaven. And he's the sustain, creator and sustainer of all things, Revelation 4, Revelation 5. Uh, he's got a scroll in his right hand and there's seals on it. And in Revelation 6, Jesus begins to break those seals. When he breaks those seals, Jesus broke the seals. Jesus said, okay, do what you're going to do. Huh? Uh, and every time we broke a seal, things happen. Matthew 24 is fairly clear. War, inflation, famine, plagues, diseases or pestilences. The Bible calls pestilences epidemic diseases that are deadly and devastating. I think uh, Luke 21, 11 of Amplified, if my memory serves me right. Earthquakes, he said they would be in various places. There are more earthquakes today than ever. Volcanoes also right in line with earthquakes. Persecution of believers is on the rise, and we're praying for the Afghanistan church, right? Many of them have become martyrs for the faith. I was listening to a, 
I was listening, I actually read an article yesterday where um, uh, somebody said that uh, the believers there said, do not pray for us to live. We are ready to be martyrs and we're going to share Jesus to our last breath. My friends, we need that in America today. We need to have that kind of resolve and attitude. So they said, don't pray for our life. We're good. We're going to see Jesus. Before we see him, we're going to take people with us. Isn't that awesome? What if I had that attitude? What if you had that attitude? Every single day when you get up, who's the person closest to hell? Do you think it would make a change in us? And so during this time, the man of sin called Antichrist rises up. And, uh, you know, let me just say that the apparatus probably that he and his regime probably somewhere in the Middle East will use, whether they dominate the whole world yet to be seen, it could happen. All the worlds are involved in the medical issues now with COVID-19, and now people are upset about the mandatory vaccinations and such, and it seems so wrong and against the grain, and people are upset and aggravating and fussing. This is child's play to what's coming. Did you hear what I said? And, and I'm of the belief system, I don't, I don't lay down and just take it. I stand up, if I got a ride, I'm going to take it. Unless the Lord says not to. Did you hear what I said? If you give your rights away today, you're done. You give them away one time, you're done. You won't ever get them back. So think about that as you tool through how you're, gonna, how you're dealing with the things we're dealing with today. But that whole apparatus that we're seeing worldwide. Uh, uh, Australia's on complete lockdown, and they're telling them, I mean, have you heard that? The citizens, they're actually telling the citizens to download an app to their phone, and they tell them a certain time. They have 15 minutes from a certain time to, to note their location and upload their location to the government. If not, then somebody come after you. They're supposed to stay at home indoors and not even go outside. I mean, y'all, there's something going on here. Did you hear what I'm saying? Do you want that here? Stand up and say no then in a loving, kind way, but firm way. Right? So anyway, uh, the whole apparatus said all that to say that whole apparatus is going to be used by the Antichrist and his regime to control the world. Now, uh, the Bi- the, we'll never call him Antichrist this side of heaven, but, you know, the Bible calls him Antichrist. And uh, anti, anti means against. He's against Christ, against Christianity, against Christian morals. Christian ways. He's against all of that. And, um, and that's rising up in the earth. And that attitude is here now. And that attitude is portrayed in this COVID-19 thing and the vaccines. You can feel it. You can see it. And they say, so is the vaccine the mark? No. Just forget that. No. But it might be the second or third cousin of the mark. See, again, it's all about conditioning. You get that? So, but, so just be aware of all that. And then lastly, martyrdom on a wide scale will happen. Now, I'm of the belief system. Everybody okay? I got to say all this and then I got a lot to say. My goodness, help me, Jesus. Um, so having said all that, um, my belief system is, let me talk about that, that, you know, there's a, the people typically call it the tribulation. Y'all have heard of the tribulation. Typically seven years, and there's reasons for saying that in Scripture I don't have time to get into. But um, a lot of believers in the West, not so in other parts of the world, I found out, believe that the rapture is going to happen before that seven years begins. Now, there's a lot of people in America. I preached that for 25 years. The last 11 years, I've had a change of thought patterns because God dealt with me. Now, again, don't fall out of love with me just because you disagree with that. If you believe in the rapture is going to take you away, it could happen at any time. I'm noticing it show up on Facebook and other places. People are starting to preach about the rapture, and they think that 
again before the Antichrist really is revealed, the church will go up. If that happens, I'll smile on the way, say, hip, hip, hooray, I was wrong. Woo! But if that doesn't happen, you need to listen to what I'm going to say. At seven years, and what's going to happen, a peace treaty will be signed, some kind of an agreement with Israel. We really don't know what it is. It hasn't happened yet. I think once it happens, we'll be aware of that. Once that happens, a clock's ticking. You've got, you got seven years before the, second, uh, uh, before the return of Jesus to the earth. And in between that seven years, somewhere in there, the rapture happens. I happen to think you'll see the Antichrist and his regime in the Middle East. What it does with America is determined by us and what we choose to do with what's happening now. And uh, he turned coats on Israel about, he makes an agreement with Israel, hip, hip, hooray, they're just, you know, having fun together, friends, and then three and a half years into that, uh, Israel has rebuilt a, a, a rustic temple, he desecrates that temple in some way, turns against them, becomes anti-Semitic and, uh, and, and anti-Christian, and on a large scale, there's some pretty wide martyrdom resulting from that, so... Uh, and then right after that, that's called the Great Tribulation. Jesus said, except those days are short and no flesh should be saved. And then right after that, the Day of the Lord. Everybody say the Day of the Lord. Now, the Day of the Lord during these seven years is the wrath of God. Now, all of this is in my Revelation series, but I just want to give you a heads up here. Uh, the Day of the Lord is a terrible time. It starts with Revelation chapter 8. Uh, with the last seal on that scroll in God's right hand being broken. And it starts, and it looks like meteorites hit the earth and just cause all hell to break loose. No, no kidding. Uh, the water's polluted, salt water, fresh water. The atmosphere changes. Several billion people die. We're not going to be here for that. You ought to get, be excited about that. So, uh, probably half of the world's population will perish during those last two, two and a half years of that seven-year period. But the good news is, um, when that last seal on the scroll in God's hand is broken and the sun is darkened and the moon darkens, there's cosmic disturbances Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, starting with verse 29. When that happens, that's a sign that you're going up, get ready, get everything prepared because you leave in this world, you go into heaven while all hell breaks loose here. Is that all right? Bottom line is God's going to take care of us. How many hear what I said? And then all that stuff from Revelation 8 all the way through, you're not going to be here for that. You're going to be in heaven. Is that good news? It's really good news. So nonetheless, uh, that's my belief system. And uh, less than 10% of Christians in America believe what I just said. In fact, people don't even think about it. They don't read the Bible enough to know what's going on. And that's why they're scared out of their wits. And I don't know about you. I'm just expecting him to do great things through us. Are you? Three words, 2 Timothy 3. Everybody good? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Everybody say no. Say it louder than that. No. Say last. last. And then say perilous. perilous. Okay, and then say shall come. Let's look at those words real quickly. He said, but know this. Know this, know this, know this. He could have said. That in the last days, perilous times will come. That tells us a lot. This word know, and I've got the definition there uh, from the Greek language. It means to be completely certain about something. This word gnosko is, is a word for complete, absolute knowledge about something. It's the word uh, that Paul used in Philippians 3, that I may know him, know Jesus. It's complete, exact, absolute he says, know this, and the tenses on this word know here in 2 Timothy 3 
are really strong. In fact, uh, he's, he's just basically saying, give all of your attention to this. Listen to what I'm saying, because what I'm saying is going to be exactly this way. This way. Did you hear me? And so, uh, so, so he's saying that. Then he says, but this know that in the last days. Now, the last days, Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 2 right after uh, right on the day of Pentecost, and he said it will come to pass in the last days, and quoted Joel 2, 28. It will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter said this is fulfilled today. So here's what we know. The last days started when Jesus was raised from the dead, and particularly they on the day of Pentecost when the church was, was empowered with power from on high from the Holy Ghost. The last days begin. You get that? So the last days, we're living in the last days, but this word last is the word eschatos, and that word eschatos, in fact, we have a, a, you know, theological word eschatology, study of end time things. So that word eschatos, it really means the farthest end, the very end of a certain thing. In fact, there's no, there's no further than you can go than, than this place. In fact, it was a seafarer's word in the first century for people who sailed ships all over the place. And it was the word for the very last port. They're stopping here, they're stopping here, stopping on this island, going here, going there. But the very final port is Eschatos. That's the end of the journey. There's, there's nothing past that. You get that? And so when he said this, no, listen to what I'm saying. It's going to be just this way. Uh, know this, that in the last days, and that is the very end of a particular period of time. And y'all, it, it really looks like we are the generation that are going to see Jesus come back. So we are, we are in the last of the last days. You could say it that way. Uh, then he said, perilous, we'll come back to this, times shall come. Now this word shall come is really interesting. Um, in fact, the Greek word there, uh, we get an English word, hist- antihistamines. You know, you, 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 got, you, you got a problem and you take an antihistamine if your nose is stopped up. Well, histema, histemi means to stand. So an antihistamine is it, standing against, you know, that, that's, that corruption that arises when your body over, try, tries to overdo it, right? So a histamine, so uh, this is in histemi, and it means to stand. And the idea behind this shall come is you're standing and things are all around you and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. You're surrounded. So he said in the last days, this no, be assured, it's going to happen just this way. At the very last port, the last of the last days. You're going to be standing, and all around you is this word perilous. Everybody say perilous. And this word perilous here is an interesting word. Kalipos is the word. Difficult, dangerous, furious, fierce, perilous, hard to do, to take, hard to approach, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage, doesn't sound like a great word. There's, it's only used one other time in the New Testament. Perhaps this would um, describe uh, what it's like. You remember um, the Gerasenes? There was a graveyard by a roadway um, in the first century. 
And here's what it says in Matthew 8, 28. When he had come, Jesus had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, uh, and I think Mark says Gadarenes, according to what translations you have. There met him two demon-possessed men. Now, Mark 5 mentions this, but it only mentions one man. He's, well, he's saying there are two here, but he's talking about one of the guys coming out of the tombs. He says here, both of them came. Exceedingly, what's the next word? Fierce. See, that word fierce is the same word perilous in 2 Timothy 3. And see, uh, what he did will tell you something about this time that we're going into. It's fierce. And he said so that no one could pass that way. And so here's a man. He was a sadomasochist. He was naked. And he was scary. And everybody that traveled down that road, it was a main thoroughfare from one city to another that he was on. A lot of people had to travel that road and everybody just kind of geared it up. When you go by there, better watch out because this guy's nuts. I mean, he's screaming, he's hollering, he's probably throwing things. It was, it was terrible. It was an emotionally grueling event. Vicious, ferocious, fierce, unruly, uncontrollable, unpredictable, harsh, harmful, cruel, ruthless, cutting, wounding. That would describe that guy. And that describes the days, the last days just before Jesus comes back. And, uh, and so he's saying, I-, I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. You- prepared. You've got to know this. It's going to happen. It's going to surround you. It's at the very end just before I come back, Jesus says. And the Apostle Paul says here, know that perilous times, challenging times, emotionally grueling times will be here. Uh, how many think we could be in, uh, right going into that right now? See, that's the reason that you feel the way you do. I don't know how many people have told me in recent times that, you know, they just sometimes feel oppression, depression, challenge, fear. I mean, listen, sometimes I'm sitting in my office and it's like, uh, thoughts start coming. You ever have that happen to you? It's like, devil, you just unmasked yourself. Get out of here in Jesus' name. How many know you've got to control your thought life if you're going to make it through this hour? Don't just let your thoughts wander on any and everything. Let the Holy Spirit through the Word control what you do with your thoughts. And that's going to, that's going to, that's going to show success or failure. And you know what? I don't know about you. I'm not stopping anything I'm doing. See, a lot of people think, well, let's go, you know, let's go find us 10 acres and let's go find us a cave and live in. Jesus didn't say that. He said, occupy until I come. He didn't tell me self-preserve. He told us to preach the gospel to every creature. In fact, in Matthew 24, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world to all nations. And then the end will come. Can I do that crawling in a hole? Can I do that staying at home? Can I, st- can I do that shutting all of my life down? Then what am I going to do? And I'm a- Am I going to listen to my flesh? Am I going to listen to the fears that are coming? Or am I going to choose to walk by faith and trust God Almighty and His sovereign power? And like I said in the interim, I mean, you know, listen, if God can take care of Noah, if God can take care of Lot, if God can take care of, of Joseph and his brothers, if God can take care of the Israelites in the land of Goshen and take care of them when all hell's breaking loose around him, can he not take care of us today? If he can take care of Shadmach, right, Meshach and Abednego, if he can take care of Daniel in the lion's den, if he can take care of the disciples when all hell's breaking loose around them and the Roman government doesn't like anything, friend, he can take care of you today. We're living in Bible days again.
we've come full circle again. If the, if, the, if the believers in first century had cowered down the way the church in America has cowered down the last 18 months, you would not be here today. So friends, there's a lot to do. So let me give you four things on how you can prepare. You want to hear this? Number one, and I mean this. Now, I, I was going to put a different title on my book, but I think thought people would misunderstand it. Meditate in the Word. Now, now, this book is really about meditation in the Word. It's really about uh, controlling your thought patterns, how to do that, what life is like if you don't do that, how I learned to do that, uh, and then how I learned to meditate. Now, y'all, if you don't know me, you know, I came to Jesus when I was 18. It's all in the book, but um, my thoughts were just a mess. Have you ever been there? And then I come across Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, finally, my brother, whatever It's true, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. When I was 18, I put those words on a card, put it in my pocket. Shirts don't even have pockets today, whatever. Uh, But every now and then, I whip it out. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on these things. And I would think, man, I'm so far from that, it's crazy. And I couldn't control my thoughts. And you know what I found out? If I meditate in the Word, I I can control my thought patterns. So real quickly, the gist of this is how to do that, and, um, and I've been doing that all my life. I've, I've been with Jesus now. This is my uh, this, yeah, 45th year. Being with, in fact, next Sunday is my spiritual birthday. I'll be 45 years old. Yeah. And um, ever since then, I've, I've meditated on the Word, just to keep my mind free. Because I filled my mind, you know, just in 18 years, y'all, I filled my mind with such garbage. You know what I'm talking about? And fear and selfishness and self-centered thinking and, and lies and deception and fraud. Now, when I came to Jesus, I found out my mind was constantly lying to me. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You can't make it. You can't survive. Why don't you go ahead and end your life? Shut up! And see, saying shut up doesn't work. He'll just come right back and say, you want to talk again? I'm going to talk again. So I told my mind to shut up by meditating in the Word. See, it's the Word of God. I'm going to boil it all down. It's what you do with God's Word that's going to get you through the times that we're living in. If you do something with the Word, God will do something with you. If you neglect the Word, God has no recourse but to neglect and just leave you alone to fend for yourself. How many want to refend for yourself in this day? Would you please raise your hand? No, no, we want the Lord to help us. You want him, want his word. God and his word are one. E.W. Kenyon's got a book entitled New Creation Realities. You can find it on Amazon now. Our attitude, and the first sentence of the first chapter, our attitude towards the word determines the place that God holds in our daily life. First time I read that book, I laid it down. So I can't read past that because I got to deal with that. What am I doing with the Word? I started memorizing Scripture. The last chapter of this book is just hundreds of Scripture in different translations. And I really meditate to meditate, memorize Scripture, meditate on it, meditate on it, think about it, meditate on it, meditate in the Word. Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and strength of salvation. That's not in the notes, Sean, sorry. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus said this, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it will 
is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, it's foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand when the, flame, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Psalm 1, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. And there's a whole lot of advice of the wicked today. Have you noticed? Everybody in their cat and dog and goldfish has an opinion about everything. And they don't mind spitting it right to you and leaving spitting on your face when they're saying it to you. Is that true? So he says here, oh, the joys of those who don't follow. You're going to stay up there. I'm going to throw you down there. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, uh, they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted on the, along the riverbank bearing fruit. In each season, their leaf never, never withers, and they prosper in all they do. If you'll meditate in the Word, if you'll get the Word in your thought patterns, you'll prosper when times are bad. You'll prosper when people are failing. God will make a way where there is no way. He'll make a stream in the desert. Did you hear me? Because he's good at doing that. Has he done it in the past? He'll do it now. You've got to meditate in Scripture. Here's what happens when you meditate in Scripture. Uh, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance those things that you've put inside of you. So when you're in conversation with someone, he'll say, don't hold defense. Because that's what 1 Corinthians says. Uh, he'll say, be kind to one another. Because that's what Ephesians 4.32 says. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgives you. Uh, he, he'll, he'll say, in all these things you're more than a conqueror. And gain a surpassing victory through him that loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8.37. Did you hear me? He'll just say scripture back to you. Did you hear me? It's just amazing how you can live and you can keep your jaw up, your chin up, a smile on your face, a spring in your step, and you can keep moving when all hell breaks loose. That's what meditating in the Word will do. We have very little meditation in the Word because people are too busy looking at Facebook on their phone and they're too busy looking at videos on YouTube and listening to the latest tunes. If you'll meditate in the Word, I'm telling you what, you'll, you'll, you'll step to a different tune, you'll live, you'll live to the beat of a different drummer and you'll overcome. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. Did you notice what I just read? Jesus said when the Spirit of truth, notice he calls him the Spirit of truth. When you, get, when you become familiar, number one, with God's Word, secondly, with the Holy Spirit, because you don't know the Holy Spirit apart from, apart from the Word. A lot of people today, they're flowing in the Spirit, it's just the wrong Spirit. You never put the Holy Spirit above the Word of God. And there are people doing that all over the place today because they want to walk with God and they want to be on the cutting edge. It's great to be on the cutting edge and want to walk with God. But put first things first. Put the Word first, the Holy Spirit second. If you don't, you're going to get into error now. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of deception around today. When the Spirit of truth comes. See, I love that. He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Now, you know what that makes me want to do? Hug up to him. And when you know him, anytime you're listening to something, whether it's on an app, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, somebody preaching on a podcast, or listening to me, you got a monitor on the inside called the Holy Ghost. When a, when a supposed leader is speaking, 
When a congressman, a senator, a a person in politics is speaking, the Holy Spirit inside of you is listening. And I don't know how many times I've heard somebody and the Holy Spirit inside me said, that's a lie. And see, I could discount what they were saying and not let it bother me. Did you hear me? And you'll learn to do that when the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you. See, I love this. He will guide you into all truth. What does that mean? He'll lead you right back to the Word of God. Huh? He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. See, we're going into this perilous time, this challenging time, that's surroundingly difficult and challenging. He's going to show us how to navigate through it. It seems crazy, crazy, crazy that God led me to build this building out here. Us. It seems crazy, doesn't it? What's you do? Well, people still need the word. Children still need to be helped. Yes or no? Well, I'm expecting God to do something big. How about you? He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives for me. He'll never glorify a ministry. He'll never glorify a personality. The Holy Spirit's job is to make Jesus look real big to you. If anybody comes to you and says, look at me, look how great I am. Boy, they don't have the wrong spirit. Did you hear me? All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I'll expound on that more in the future. In fact, my next series may be on the Holy Spirit. Come back next Sunday, you'll find out. Number three, learn to pray with faith. How many know God answers prayer? Now, the first, oh my, several months of 2020, right when COVID broke out, I think I did 15 lessons on prayer. I plan to put that into a book. Uh, But if you'll learn to pray, you can pray through anything. In fact, if you'll know the Word, learn the voice of the Holy Spirit, and learn how to pray, you can navigate through anything. Yes or no? John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. You know what that tells me? If I'm seeking Jesus with all of my heart, living an unselfish life, putting him first, not putting me first, not putting other people first, seeking first the kingdom of God, then God places desires in me for what I need, for what I need to do, for what I need to say, where I need to be, who I need to tool around with life, in life with, and what I need to be about. Yes or no? If you pray in that context, God will answer every single thing you pray. Have you ever gotten, and I've gotten to the point in life, some things, in fact, I had something happen to me the other day. I thought, well, Lord, you didn't even let me pray about that when you just did it. Thank you. And that's what Isaiah said, before they call, he will answer. While you're yet speaking, he will hear. So you can get to a place in God. Life ain't about you. It's about Jesus, and it's about others. In fact, somebody said the acronym from joy, for joy is Jesus, others, and you. When you learn to put yourself last, put others first, put the kingdom of God first, God will start doing stuff for you. How many hear me? But if you're self-centered, only thinking about I, me, my, mine, help me, Lord, it's not going to work right. First John five fourteen. this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And... If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Do you have confidence in God to answer prayer? 
So listen to this. If you have confidence that God answers prayer, then any time a worry thought comes, you don't accept it. And you, you live free from anxiety. And you live in peace and live in rest. Yes or no? If you know God answers prayer and you know how to get it. And we'll talk about that more later. Number four, lastly, be available to help others. This is not a time to live a self-centered life. People that are miserable and depressed focus on themselves. And that's why mental health has taken a ditch the past 18 months. Because, because the fear that's been bilged by the media to everybody is making everybody self-focused. It's not good for children. It's not good for adults. Yes or no? No. That's bad mental health. You focus on yourself, you get real depressed. But you know what? If I focus on Jesus, focus on the kingdom of God, and put others first, that's good mental health. Yes or no? So if you just think about nobody love me, nobody care about me, nobody looking at me, that church don't like me, that pastor ain't talking to me. You, you know what? You just need to repent, honestly. You can be so full of yourself that Jesus has no place. Welcome to America. And you know what I think he's in the process of doing? Emptying us of all we think we got to have and do and be. Galatians 6, 9, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those of the family of faith. I mention this all the time, Job's life. Job has said that the Job is the first book of the Bible. Now, it's not first in sequence now, but nonetheless, it's the oldest book, I should say. But Job... Everything that happened to him is about a year's time. He lost everything, his family, his wealth, everything. Even lost his health. But I just love, love, love Job 42.10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. What does it mean to turn somebody's captivity? I see a gate opening up. Are you free now, boy? The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Here's a word from the Lord to somebody. Today, if you'll start taking your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on other people, over half your problems will immediately and suddenly disappear. Did you hear me? Isn't this good? Are you ready to make some huge life changes? Huh? Are you ready for what's coming? Does the normalcy bias have you stuck in the past? You've got to ask yourself those questions, right? You know, here's something I ask. Am I living as if today were my last day on earth? If this was your last day, last day ask yourself when you're starting to say things and do things and be with people and look at stuff. In my last day on earth, would you want to stand, stand before God and Him say, Now, what were you doing at 2 o'clock, 2.23? 145, live every day if it was your last. Isn't that good? See, that way you have a clear conscience. That way, hey, 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 
That way we're seeking first the kingdom of God. Do you take time for daily meditation? Let me encourage you, if you don't yet, I don't care if you get my book. I love for you to get my book, but I'm just saying in the back, I've got a bunch of scripture. I've got it all done for you. You can find some and highlight them. Start memorizing scripture. Get the word inside of you. Take time to pray. You can learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. In the next while, we're going to be talking, I think, about the Holy Spirit, how to hear him, how to perceive him, how to get him to work in your life. You know what? we got some amazing days ahead of us. I'll end with this. Everybody good? The very end of the notes, I don't have time to take, talk about it much. Maybe I'll take it another day or time. But uh, 1963, one of the um, Bible schools I went to was Kenneth Hagin. I spoke to one of our friend, my friends here. On, oh, I broke my glasses. Anybody got some black tape? That's awesome, man. They're old anyway. Look at that. Jesus help me. Well, I'll just wear it like a badge. There you go. You like that, Susan? You might want to keep I might chew on it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't need them. I can see you without them. I actually have 20-20 vision. It's for reading. Anyway, uh, this is, I, can't, I can't believe I did that. 1963, Kenneth Hagin. He's one of the Bible schools I went to. It was his, Raymond. And, uh, 19, and I found this printed out. It's very interesting. Not to hear, he had a prophet's ministry, and he would see and know things. I'm so upset about my glasses. <laughs> I think you better take my glasses, too. <laughs> um, but the Holy Spirit came on him in a meeting, and somebody transcribed what he said. And Kenneth Hagin uh, would see things in the future. And would see into the future in vision form. 1963, here's what he said. He saw, and I'm going to summarize this at the very end of the notes. You can read this online. He saw communism rise up in America as a big blotch, black blot that covered the entire nation. It was just really terrible. And um, I got another pair of glasses, y'all, by the way. I'm okay. Thank God they're in my satchel. See, my head's talk thinking about that. <laughs> That's great. But he saw that, and, and, and he said, the nation will not be freer, the Lord said to him, than it is right now, because that's going to rise up. And then Kenneth Hagin began to cry out, say, God, is there any hope? What's going to happen to us? And he said, at the same time, he saw a big ball of fire. He saw the contiguous United States, a big ball of fire come and hit the United States. And then when the ball of fire came down and started to hit, it turned into small balls of fire. And the Lord said to him, that's my glory. My glory is going to cover and hit my church. And there's going to be a tremendous move of God. And the Spirit of God's going to manifest himself before I return. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me. Get ready for next year. The glory's here already. I can feel it. But next year, ain't nothing to compare it with in history. So now's the time to cleanse yourself. Now's the kind of time to, to, to get, get out of idolatry. If your boyfriend, girlfriend's your idol, your wife's your idol, if money is your idol, if your business is your idol, you know, if porn is your idol, my God, you need to repent. Huh? If you're in sin in some way, get out of it because the glory of God's coming and it's going to cover the earth. And it's going to be amazing. So while everybody's going, oh my, what am I going to do? We're going to say, the glory of God is here. 
Let me pray with you. You'll sense the God of the universe right now.